Hallelujah. Praise God. Today we are looking at the topic, what are you seeking? Amen. What are you seeking? We can see in the way and believers live what they are truly seeking after. The world system is run by men and women to gratify the self. In other words, the flesh. Luke chapter 12 and verse 21 tells us that there are those who lay up treasure for themselves and are not rich toward God. But God calls us to set our affection on him. Colossians chapter three and verse two says that we are to set our affections on things above, not on things of the earth. And God is showing us a way to be rich towards him, which means that we need to be consecrated to him. Let's go ahead and look at a couple of these references in the Bible. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verses, verse, yes, verses 19 to 21. Matthew six, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. Verse 20, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is one of the passages that I somewhat quoted, you know, I quoted earlier when I said that we are to, we are not to lay up treasures for ourselves like the world is doing, but rather we are to be rich toward God. And the Lord tells us that actually, that we are to be rich towards him. If we look at the same, I'm sorry, no, Luke, Luke chapter six. Um, let's go to verse, verses 31 to 33. Mm, well, actually, no. This is, well, Luke chapter six, verses 31 and 33 are pretty much the same thing, telling us that we are to, you know, seek after the, the first of all, after the kingdom of God. Well, let's go ahead and read that passage. Luke 6, 31 and 33. It says, therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be 
added unto you. Amen. That was verses uh, 31 to verse 33 in, of Luke chapter 6. Now, the Lord tells us that we ought to be reached towards him. Amen. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 21. Hallelujah. That we are to be rich towards God. And so we are instructed, again, not to lay up for ourselves treasures on the earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But we are to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Because, again, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. So we are called to sow into things that are heavenly. We are called to sow into the kingdom of God. What are we called to sow? We are to sow our time. We are to sow our energy, our finances. In other words, the kingdom of God must be first in our lives. And the deciding factor in uh, determining whether or not we are truly consecrated to God is our affection. Amen. And, you know, this is demonstrated again in scripture in the message that Jesus had for the church of Ephesus in the book of Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, from that passage there from Revelation chapter 2. And again, this is Jesus's message to the church of Ephesus. And I'm going to read from verse 1 through verse 4. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden sticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil, and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars, and has borne and has patience, and for my namesake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. That is a very serious accusation here, or should I say reprimand from the Lord that the, the, this church here that he's addressing, the church of Ephesus, has left its first love. Although everything else that they were doing seemed to be right. You see, the people of Ephesus, they are on their toes and they apparently had paid attention to Paul's years of warnings uh, you know, Paul spent, you know, time after time and, you know, warning them with tears because, um, you know, they ought to be diligent to watch for deceivers in their midst. And because of that, they were very, um, you know, 
as I said, on their toes. They were watchful and they didn't take any nonsense. They kept themselves dedicated to God's word and did not allow heresy to creep in. Hallelujah. That was wonderful. And now it's been about, um, about 35 years since Paul's ministry. And we see that during that time, they had carefully kept the faith and not given up. However, Jesus says this, what we just read in verse four, which is a heavy word. He says, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And so Jesus's message is that despite all their diligence, they have managed to do what Jesus says is leaving their first love. First, implying the most important thing. They have left their number one love and they give all their heart to serve, to serve God, to serve the king. However, they had forgotten to delight themselves in the king himself. And you see, we are now in what, 2021, and things have not changed. Today, there are countless Christians and churches that are just like the church of Ephesus. They have a lot of head knowledge about the Bible, but there is no real affection towards God, no real love. And you see, there is something wrong here. The people might be right on when it comes to doctrine, but they have overlooked the heart of the matter, which is the love of Jesus Christ. And for Jesus, this is no small failing. It is not a you know, something to make light of. It is not a light deficiency on the part of the Ephesians. And Jesus addresses it with a serious warning. Amen. So we see that our affection toward God is very important to him. He wants to have the first place in our lives. And when we you see, when we first come to Christ, um, something happens. We are translated out of the kingdom of darkness into God's marvelous kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. Hallelujah. And so we become this born again person, this new creation experiencing a love that we never knew existed. This is a brand new experience for us. And God, in his wisdom, allows us to feel that love. Amen. It, it, it takes over us. And we know at that moment that something has happened to us. We are glad. We rejoice. And we know that now that God has deposited of himself in our lives. Hallelujah. So that, you know. We, we are experiencing what we usually call to fall in love with him. 
Amen. But after a while, those feelings seem to dissipate. And notice I say feelings. Amen. But the Bible tells us that the just shall live by faith, not by feelings. Amen. Why? Because God wants us to mature. Amen. To stop depending on how we feel and to put our faith in his love. We are called to live by faith. Our affection must be for him and in him, no matter how we feel. Because regardless of our emotions, the bottom line, the basic truth is that inside we are a brand new person. We have the spirit of God living inside of us. We now belong to Christ. So whether or not our emotions are up and down, it's not, it's not what matters. What matters is that we now belong to Christ. Hallelujah. And regardless of how the enemy may be attacking us in, a, in the area of our emotions, God wants our affection to be for him and in him. Hallelujah. God has prom- promised us abundance. You see, he has promised us so many things. Uh, the blessing of the Lord is upon us. And when all these blessings start manifesting in our lives, one sure way of making sure that they are not going to compete with our relationship with the Lord is to make sure that our affection is in him and for him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So, you know, God doesn't want us to receive something that is going to drive us, that is going to take us away from him. So we will receive everything that he has for us when we decide to set our affection on him, when we decide to put him first in everything in our life. Hallelujah. Praise God. There is an account in Matthew chapter uh, 22 where Jesus teaches a a lawyer. He was a teacher of the law about this matter here. And it's recorded in Matthew chapter 22, verses uh, 37 to 38. Actually, Actually, these two verses are only Jesus's answer. Amen. Because the lawyer had asked him a direct question as to which uh, was the first commandment. And now Jesus takes time to answer him. And he says, uh, starting with verse 37 in Matthew 22, he says, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Verse 38, this is the first and great commandment. Notice that Jesus said that we are to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and that this is the first and great commandment. I want us to, for a quick second, look at these words here, first and great. 
The word first is the Greek word protos, spelled P-R-O-T-O-S, which means foremost in position. In other words, it's chiefest, it is principal, and it is best. Amen. So the love that God is speaking here that we are to have for him is foremost, the foremost commandment, because it comes before any other thing, before we can even obey any of God's love, of God's laws, sorry, of his laws. Our love life must be settled. What this means is that if we really attempt to obey God without love, we are limited and we become very legalistic and we cannot go all the way with God. And the, the, the end result of that is actually hypocrisy, which we find in any type of you know, uh, legalistic uh, form of worship. And what sets in when we are in that mode is frustration and error, which are um, an indication actually of this journey that we have embarked on. It's a journey of obedience that we are trying to work out without love. So love is foremost, amen. And I said that the definition also means that it's chiefest. In other, way, in other words, it's the chiefest of the commandments. In other words, no commandment has any weight without the love of God. Amen. Um, love rules over every commandment. Uh, you know, the Bible tells us in Galatians, I believe it's chapter 5 and verse 6, that um, our faith works by love. Amen. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13 lays it out for us. It says it doesn't matter what we can, what we do for God. We can even, we have faith to move mountain, but if we do not have love, we are nothing. Amen. So no commandment has any weight without the love of God. Love inspires every commandment. Love moves every act of obedience. Amen. And another uh, point that I made is that God, the, the, the love of God is principle. Amen. It is principle, meaning that in it, it is in when it comes to ranking and order, it always comes first. Amen. You see, God is a jealous God, and He wants nothing to be put ahead of Him. Um, you know, I'm sure we remember His words to the Israelites um, in Exodus chapter 20. Uh, let me go ahead and actually let's turn to that passage. Exodus 20, we are going to look at verses 5 and 6. Thou shalt not bow thy, down thyself to them. Them is speaking about idols. Uh, nor serve them, for I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, 
visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me, and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Furthermore, listen, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, this is what um, the Lord says, Exodus chapter 20, verses five and six. Now, um, I want to read another passage here. Um, First Chronicle chapter 29 and verse three. Okay, First Chronicle chapter 29 and verse three. It's the same message here in different words. The Lord again speaking to his people and he says, Moreover, um, oh, I'm sorry, this is not the Lord. This is David speaking. Amen. I got these passages mixed up here. Yes. Okay. David speaking here and listen to his words. In First Chronicle 29 and verse 3, he says, Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house. Amen. So what David is saying here is that he has set his affection on the Lord, on the house of God. And that was in connection to his building the house of the Lord. Amen. And he had to make sure before he could engage in in that activity, he had to make sure of where his affection was set. Amen. So, you see, when our affection lies in things that are, you know, on the natural realm, on the material world, on even, you know, looking at, um, you know, our past life, our future life, our on blessings, on things that, you know, God has promised us. You know, it's it's all good to, to, to have, to think in, to a certain extent about blessings because these are good things that God wants to happen to us. But, our affection placed on them is something, it is somewhat, it's misplaced because our affection should be on the one who blesses, not on the blessing itself. Our affection should be on the blesser, if I can use that, that, that word, on the one who does the blessing. Hallelujah. In other words, if our affection is on something or someone, we end up pursuing that person or that thing. So God wants us to pursue him and not the blessing. Uh, And we saw earlier that God commands us that we are first to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what does he say? And all these things shall be added unto us. So pursuing the, those, those things is not what, you know, God's plan for us. Amen. Um, 
in Psalm chapter 37 and verse four, we are told to delight ourselves in the Lord and he shall give us the desires of our heart. Amen. Praise God. So you see, it's all the same thing. Uh, this, the same theme is flowing through these verses that we ought to put our affections in the Lord. Amen. You see, and we are able to do that because before we were born again, before we had become these new creations in Christ, we didn't have the love of God in us. We would not know, even if we tried, we couldn't love him as he's calling us to. But now the Bible tells us that God has shed his, his love abroad in our heart. Amen. By the power of the Holy Spirit that he has given us. And so, you know, he, and this love is the same love that we see when the Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to us. It's that same love. You know, God is love and he has taken that love and deposited it inside of us so that our response will be to love him back. Amen. With that same affection that he has for us because he so loved us that he gave Jesus for us. I mean, if you can give of your very best and Jesus has given all that he had, there is nothing then that is left for him to give. So if we have that love in us, our response should be all our love and all our affection should be on, on him. Amen. And when we deviate from this path of love that God himself has laid out for us, we end up cutting the flow of his love in our life. Amen. And we end up suffering the consequences in every area of our life. And sometimes we are frustrated and things are not going right. There are ups and downs and we wonder what is going on. We have to stop if that happens and check our love walk. Amen. And when by, by love walk, I'm talking about first loving God. Amen. Our vertical relationship with him must be in order before we can love others as God has called us to love them. Praise God. And um, I'm sure we all know the, the story of Abraham. We see uh, in, um, in Genesis chapter 15 that God says to Abraham that he is his shield and um, an exceeding great reward. But uh, Abraham was pursuing having a child. And at one point, he even bypassed God to have this child. So the pursuit was not God at that point. It was this child that he wanted to have. And we see that this, is, this always causes problems. Amen. Trying to help God out, you know, or going ahead of God all so that we can satisfy the desires of the flesh. Now, mind you, God is the one who had given the promise to, to Abraham uh, that he would give him a son. So God is the one who initiated this whole thing. He knows what it is to, let, to have a son to love. Hallelujah. And so 
trying to bypass him to do it our own way is, is wrong. Uh, and we see that later on in Genesis chapter uh, 21, we are told that God um, visited Sarah and she conceived and had a son. Amen. So that plan that she and her husband had forged before uh, to have this child with Sarah's servant, Hagar, turned out to be something that, you know, backfired on them. And God was faithful at his own time and in his own way to fulfill the promise that he had given him. Uh, in Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 and 2, uh, let me read that passage. Genesis 21, um, it says, verse 1, And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. You see, as he had promised, he did it. And then it goes on to say, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Amen. So God had a set time when this would happen. Which means that we must respect God's timing. God means for his blessing to bring us into a place of rest. Amen. And um, we must, in order for us to enter that rest, things must be done his way. And the best way that we can do that is to set our affection on him. Hallelujah. To know that God has said it, we believe it, that settles it. We are moving on with God, regardless of whether this is, happens tomorrow or whether it happens next year or whether it happens 10 years from now, God has spoken and we are here to please him, to delight ourselves in him. Amen. God wants us so much to place our affections in him. But notice what happens in Abraham's life. You know, in verse 21 that we just read there, verses one and two, we see how God visits um, Sarah and she conceives and has this son. And next, very next chapter, Genesis chapter 22, we see that, you know, uh, Abraham now, uh, his heart's desire, in other words, his affection is being tested by God. And how was that, was that tested by God? Well, God asked him to sacrifice his son Isaac. The very blessing that God gave him in Genesis 21, now God is testing his affection toward him, himself, God, through that son Isaac. And Abraham, the Bible tells us, believe God. Amen. So much so that the Bible says that through his faith in God, it was accounted to him or credited to him as, righteous, as righteousness. Amen. Abraham had come to a place of full persuasion in God's love, in, in God's faithfulness, and in his ability to provide for him and to accomplish the impossible. Hallelujah. Praise God. Verse, Romans chapter four um, explains, you know, where Abra how Abraham had matured 
in his love for God, not just his faith, but his love for God. Praise God. In Romans chapter four, we are looking at verses 20 to 22. The Bible says of Abraham that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Hallelujah. You see, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Amen. So we see that Abraham was giving glory to God. He came to that place where he was rejoicing in the Lord, fully persuaded that whatever God has promised him, God is able to do. See, and we cannot really enjoy God if we don't allow ourselves to, to, to come to that place of faith in him, knowing that he is who he says he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, not seek the, the blessing, seek him. Hallelujah. And that's exactly what Abraham was doing that he was delighting himself in God. You see, our human love is selfish. And uh, God wanted to test, um, you know, through sacrifice, the, the love of Abraham. And to test us, to test the blessing that he has promised to give us is meant to remove from our life whatever is competing with him, God. Hallelujah. Let me say this again. Because our love is selfish, the test to sacrifice whatever it is that God has promised us, in case of Abraham, it was his Isaac. Okay, so the test to sacrifice Isaac come or he came to remove whatever was competing with the Lord. And so it is for us also. So we must decide to give it all to God and then let him work in us to love him perfectly because this is what is going to take us to the manifestation of whatever he has promised us or that he wants to do in our lives. Amen. Praise God. You know, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 19 to verse 21. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19, verses 19 to 21. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stands sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, they are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. 
If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Amen. There is a lot in these verses. However, what I want to glean from it in connection to our study is that last part here where he tells us that there are vessels, amen, in, in God's house. Just like in any house, he says there are vessels, some of gold, some of silver, some of wood, some of earth, some to honor, some of, to dishonor. So notice that there are some vessels that are for honor, there are some who are for dishonor. And only the sanctified hands, amen, or if I can say as well as a sanctified heart, because what we do is from the, should be from the heart, amen, only sanctified hands can bear the vessels of the Lord. So if we love righteousness and depart from iniquity, depart from everything that is not pleasing to God, then God will anoint us, amen, like he did, uh, you know, Jesus in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verses 8 and 9 that tell us that, um, that Jesus loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And because of that, God has anointed him with the oil of gladness above his fellows. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice that righteousness, Jesus loves righteousness and hates iniquity. And the Lord hate is strong language conveying God's total reject for anything that is contrary to, to his holiness, to his righteousness. Um, he's, he rejects anything that is of darkness. Why? Because he is light. Amen. And he cannot look upon sin and anything that has, you know, is, has sin in it, God will burn up. Amen. So even in, uh, notice that in, in the tabernacle in the wilderness back in, you know, the Old Testament, back in the wilderness when Egypt was in the, you know, sorry, when Israel was in the, the wilderness. Well, the tabernacle, the way it was set up that, you know, there was a cup of silver that was placed under the legs that held the Ark of the Covenant. And we know that silver is symbolic of redemption. In other words, between Almighty God and the sinful world. So even then, God, there had to be something symbolizing the redemption of men for, for it to be acceptable to God. And so back then, we can see this imagery. Now the real thing has come. Amen. Jesus is the sacrifice for us. Hallelujah. And so Christians do not have any righteousness of their own. It is only the righteousness that we have that is in Christ Jesus who paid for our sin so that we can have partake of his righteousness. Amen. And 
the reason why I'm saying this is because you see, Jesus brought righteousness to whosoever will accept him, not just as savior, but as Lord and savior. And when we say the word Lord, it means that he is our master, that we do not belong to ourselves. We belong to him. And if we belong to him, and if we are on his side, then our lives must reflect that. Amen. So having an attitude that is, if I can call it lukewarm, using the term that Jesus used actually for the, for the church of Laodicea, amen? Having a lukewarm attitude, it's not actually, it's almost an abomination to God. He gave it all for us. Now we belong to him. His love has been deposited in us. So we are to return that affection to him if we truly belong to him. So lukewarmness on our part is an indication of a mixture that has happened between light and darkness. And Jesus said that himself. Actually, he, let, let me go ahead and read that verse. It's found in Revelation chapter three and verse 16. His message to the church of Laodicea, amen. Um, he said, so then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Amen. Wow, this is very, very strong. So we see that to be lukewarm is an abomination to God. Amen. What he wants from us is passion. Passion for God does not grow from, you know, in hearts of uh, those whose relationship with him consists of, you know, just simply going to church on Sundays or maybe another time, you know, maybe a couple of times a week and then getting together for Christians gatherings. And, you know, this is not what true spiritual passion is about. True spiritual passion means that we are relentlessly pursuing him, endeavoring to walk with him, endeavoring to walk in holiness, seeking our times of private communion, our daily communion with him. Times of waiting on the Lord, waiting before him and worshiping him, hallelujah. And to that, we can also add times of fasting, times of you know, study of the word and obeying the word, applying the word to our life. What the Bible calls being doers of the word, amen. And you know, it is such constant and intimate fellowship uh, that Jesus referred to when he was speaking in John chapter 15, in verse seven, and um, let let me go ahead and read that passage. It's one of you know, it's a, one of my favorite passages in scripture. It's John fifteen and verse seven. I am going to read that from the Amplified version. 
Uh, I like the way it's put. He says, if you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts, then ask whatever you will, and it shall be done for you. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, we note here that God wants each one of us and him to be so closely united that when we ask something that it is not, it's no longer us doing the asking, but it's actually him asking through us. Hallelujah. Remember when Paul said, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. This is what he was talking about. Hallelujah. That this oneness, amen, like, like the word also tells us, he that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. It is this oneness with God that brings the, manifest, uh, the manifestation of his presence in our life. Amen. And, you know, the same thing concerning real faith. All these things, you know, they work hand in hand. But we're talking about faith and we want to develop faith. And faith tells, I mean, the Bible tells us that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So if we want to be technical about it, we could just say, okay, fine, I'm just going to, you know, study the word intellectually. But no, we require, the, the, you know, a mixing of the operation of the Holy Spirit in us as we study the word, as we meditate in the word so that we can, the word can be more than knowing principles in the word because real faith comes from knowing the person of the word, the person that is behind those principles. So that's why the apostle Paul um, made this statement, you know, in 2 Timothy chapter one and verse 12, Paul says, um, he says, I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. Hallelujah. So notice that he says, I know whom I have believed. Paul didn't say, I know what I have believed. He didn't say, I know the principles and steps that I have believed in. No, he says, I know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That is why when these brothers went to uh, perform what they call an exorcism over this man in the book of Acts, and they, 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 they tried to um, you know, cast out the spirit in the name of Jesus Christ that Paul preaches, the demon answered, Paul, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know. But you, who are you? See, so it's not a question of having an intellectual knowledge of the Lord. We need to have that intimacy with him that brings us to a place where our affections, affection uh, for him, First and foremost, hallelujah, praise God. You see, when we really want something, we usually go after it and we seek it uh, for it with perseverance. And one major way that we seek after God is in prayer. Uh, 
prayer not to ask, amen, for ourselves, but prayer to fellowship with him so that we can be transformed. Um, for instance, I know that, you know, we all know the story of Jacob, um, but he, we see that Jacob at one point of his life, he had to stay in prayer before God all night. Amen. He wrestled. The Bible said that he wrestled with God all night. You see, what was he doing? He was seeking, seeking a certain blessing from God. And what God did during that spiritual encounter, it, resu it resulted in Jacob being changed. Amen. His heart was changed. And seeking means that we are pushing forward until we find what we desire, until we know that God has touched us. Amen. And this is what happened to Jacob that night. He was touched by God. And when we ourselves allow God to touch us, we know that we have had an encounter with us, that he has placed an, an unchangeable mark in our lives. And that takes us to a point of no return. Amen. Where we are totally committed and devoted to him. And um, it is in that place that we can actually love him and be like he wants and desires to be loved and be a worker together with him in his kingdom and represent here, him here on the earth. Because everything that we do has to flow, issue from that love. Amen. You see, we cannot give what we do not have. Um, remember uh, Peter and John in Acts chapter three, uh, Peter told this, the lame man, he says, such as I have, I give to you. And we cannot give Jesus to the world if he is not alive in us. And so God must really, we, we have to give him the control of everything in our lives. And if that means giving up certain things, then let it be. Amen. Let's just give them up. God doesn't ever ask us to give up anything that is really good for us. Amen. Because actually, whatever is good for us comes from him. Amen. So if he wants us to give up something, then let's be quick to do it. And to, to love him, to be intimate with him, to serve him, all that, you know, there is a price to it. The price means that we have to, uh, it speaks of the time that we are spending with him, that we seek him in prayer to know him. Hallelujah. Uh, and whatever it takes to walk with him and to be in him. Hallelujah. And so we must be consumed with this desire, the desire of God, so much so that we carry him everywhere we go. There must be a fragrance about us that not only God sees, because God always sees everything, but the world should be able to see that in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, we are told, well, actually it says, um, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Amen. You see, God makes manifest the savor of 
his knowledge, how? By us. So the world, when they see us, they must see him. Amen. And the question is, are we ready to pay the price for God to manifest himself through us and to be used by him? You see, his glory must flow out of us. And if you are seeking him, then it is understood that we are also seeking this blessing that is the, his, of his glory flowing out of us. And this is our mission. Each one of us has that mission. Though we may have different callings to represent him in different fields, in different ways, but the underlying factor is his love that is working in us and through us. We are called to change the world by being epistles of Jesus, by being workers together with him so that his will will be done in our lives on the earth. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we should not be half-hearted about our faith or our walk with him. And uh, again, as we just saw for the church of Laodicea, you know, th these folks were, were warm. And um, Jesus says that he would rather that they be hot or cold. Amen. And so because they were warm, he says, I would spew you out of my mouth. Amen. And if we find ourselves in that place of being lukewarm, we have to realize that we are not in a good position at all. And we have to be ready and do it quickly. Make a course correction. Amen. Uh, let me go ahead and, hmm, and read from Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 20, Jesus' words to this church. Um, Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, This thing says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, and would, and I would thou were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich, I'm rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knoweth not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eyesalve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice the words that Jesus you know, used here to describe the condition of these folks. He says, you think that everything is okay with you. 
He says, because you are increased in good, because you have all these blessings. But don't you know that you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, blind, and naked? And he says, I counsel you to buy gold tried in the fire so that you can be truly rich. This is what true riches is all about. And white raiment, you know, to close yourself, to, to cover your nakedness, and to open and anoint your eyes so that you can see. Hallelujah. Can see the Lord, can see spiritual things. Praise God. And then he closes off to say that he's standing at the door. And if any man hears his voice and opens, he says, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. What does he mean here? It means that Jesus was who was on the inside of the church at one point, I'm sure, when they first gave their life to Christ. But where does he find himself right now? He's standing outside. He's knocking at the door and he's waiting for them to let him in. And he says, open so that I can join you. And we see in this church of Laodicea, in that congregation, that over the years they had shut him out because they were seeking other things rather than God himself. Their affection was no longer for God. And they also chose to be ruled by the opinions of the people. Because when you study the, the, the church of Laodicea, you find out that the, even the name of that city was taken after the, the, uh, one of their leaders, uh, one of the Syrian leaders, Antiochus II, and the wife of that leader. Uh, and her name, that was her name, Laodicea. And so the city was named after her. But the name has a meaning of its own. And what does it mean? It means rule of the people. That's the meaning of the term Laodicea. And in other words, this particular church was not looking to Jesus as their Lord, as their master, as their leader, amen. But rather they were ruled by popular opinion. And when we look at around us ourselves these days, we find a lot of folks who call themselves believers in that situation. For example, the user or seeker friendly churches that are compromising the word of God to please the culture. And uh, we have to take this very seriously, amen. So consequently, we must focus on what to do when we come to Christ, amen. What our ultimate focus should be. And it is to behold the Lamb of God because what we behold is what we become, hallelujah. We must keep him before us all the time. Like, you know, when the apostles uh, wanted to, to, when they met Christ, amen, John and Andrew, uh, they met him and they said, they, John, they heard John the Baptist preaching and they decided to follow Jesus. They had heard what John the Baptist said concerning him, concerning Jesus. And they decided to follow him. And 
Jesus seeing that, they, that they, he was being followed, that's, uh, we can find that account in John chapter one and verses 38 and 39. Uh, we read, actually, I'm going to read that passage. Um, John 1, 38, 39. Jesus seeing that they were following him, it says, then Jesus turned and saw them following, said unto them, what seek ye? And they said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, being interpreted, Master, where dwellest thou? And he said to them, come and see. Amen. Come and see. You see, that's interesting that Jesus asked them, where, what are you seeking? And their answer to Jesus was, where do you dwell? Amen. And then Jesus says, come and see. Well, yes, this I'm sure, his answer had a geographical meaning to it. In other words, the physical location of his house. But could there also be uh, more, you know, another a deeper meaning to this? Speaking about what these men were thirsty for. Amen. I want to see where you live, amen, where the things that, you know, fulfill your heart, amen, what you are all about, we want to experience that. We want to go with you where that is. We want to know your ways. We want to know your path. We want to know your thoughts. We want to have your passions, amen. Where are you? That place where you are in the inside, this is where we desire to be too, amen. So the question of God, I believe, to us today is the same question that we see here that the disciple asked, where do you dwell? Amen. And we see Jesus answering, come see. And his invitation to us is to come see. Come spend time with me to allow that whatever it is that you cherish, whatever it is that you desire, whatever it is that you value is what I value, hallelujah. Because you see, we need to understand what is driving us. There's gonna come a time when we are all going to leave this place, amen. We are gonna you know, check out of this earth. And the question worth asking ourselves is, do the things that, you know, the things that we have accomplished or that we are actually busy doing right now, do they have any eternal value? Are we, will we hear from the Lord those words, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or is it all going to be in vain? And you see, Jesus says that the proof that we love him is that we are to keep his commandments, that we are to not to lay up for ourselves treasures on the earth, amen. And so we have to have that resolve that we cannot be in love with this world and pretend to know him. Our desire should be to, to emerge from all those issues in life, that whatever it is that we are going through or have gone through, we issue from them with a determination 
to walk closer to the Lord rather than those things driving us away from him. They must draw us closer to him. And this is what pleases God. And he provides the grace for us to do so. The Bible tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen. Hallelujah. So in closing, the question to us is, what are we seeking? Amen. Do we desire to know the very heart of, of our Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. To dwell in his dwelling place. Because you see, inside every child of God, there is this desire for more. And our destination is nothing less than oneness with Christ. If we want to be fruitful, all fruitfulness comes only from living in union with him. So let us stay in his presence, amen, and allow him to work in us such a work that we will use our faith to seek, seek, amen, the joy of the Lord, that we will use our faith to seek him more that, and to know that if we really want to find our life, the only place that we will find it is in him. Hallelujah. In him. And when we have done all of that, that we will overflow in that love, amen, to become a blessing unto others. Again, what are we seeking? So no matter what we attain, no matter what revelation of glory that we have, we have only begun to see it. He has, God has much more for us. Hallelujah. He has much more and he's inviting us to draw closer to him, to seek him with all of our heart, to love him with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind. And from that place, we will be able to love others. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Nearness to him is all he wants. And this is what will produce spiritual fruit in our life to his glory and to our rejoicing. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let us pray. Father, we submit ourselves to you as we embrace this word that you have for us. We ask that your power, oh God, will come through this message, that your revelation would come also, Father God, even beyond what was shared today. And Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit who is working in us to will and to do your good pleasure. So therefore we can choose to set our affection on you and, and 
dominated by natural or worldly things, Father God, but to let the focus of our attention be on Jesus. Lord, it is then that we will use our faith first and foremost to seek you, to please you, and we will know that we will overcome by the Lordship of Christ in our life. Father, we thank you that we can say of ourselves that we are called by you, that we are chosen by you. And having submitted ourselves to your will, we can also say we are faithful to the end. Your kingdom, oh Lord, will take root in our lives and we will not, Father God, draw back into perdition, but we will take what you have deposited in us and bring it to the nations for the glory of your holy name and for our own rejoicing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I thank God for our meeting this evening. I pray that this has been a blessing to you and I invite you to come back again next week at the same time. God bless you and have a good night.